Good morning and welcome to Silas Sunday on the Hair Affair and I am your host Christine. Today I have a special guest and a great friend, uh, Patrick from Washington DC that will be joining us. So stay tuned, make sure your coffee cup is full and join me in the beauty lounge. Let's get Stylist Sunday rolling. On Zoom today, we've got Patrick Guineri, and he is a Redken artist, and he also owns a cosmetology school in Washington, D.C. called the Salon Professional Academy. So thank you for joining me today, Patrick. I'm so excited to have you. How are you? First of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. I've honestly listened to every episode of your podcast that you've put out. I've listened to all of them. Um, Yay. Yeah, I have. And uh, no, things are good. You know, uh, life's great. Things are good. And uh, I'm excited to be here. Well, great. I guess the biggest question I have, and I was t- kind of talking to David about this earlier, is exactly how big is DC? Oh, man. I wasn't ready for these kind of questions. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> I'm kind of going somewhere uh, with this. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to Google it really quick. Like how, like population of Washington, DC. Uh, it's we have just under just over 700,000 people in DC. Okay. Okay. Besides your school, are there any other schools? We have one left. One left. Um, okay. There. Yep. We had an Aveda school that packed up and moved out to Virginia. Um, and we have another like mom and pop shop that just closed down. Um, so mm-hmm. besides us, there's one other school. When did you open yours? We opened January 10th, 2017. Okay. And so we're in our seventh year. All right. That's pretty cool. And you do the full blown um, esthetician, nails, hair, all the good stuff. So we have a full cosmetology program. We have an aesthetics program. We have a nail tech program and we have a master uh, aesthetics program for like an advanced aesthetic license. Oh, I didn't even know there was such thing as a master. Yeah. DC, it's like, Anything that like you would work in like a medical oh, esthetician office, okay. like a dermatologist office, you know, things like break the skin, deep chemical peels, stuff like that. Okay. In yeah. the state of Wyoming, if we have like say a spa or something that will do that sort of treatment, they have to have a licensed nurse. There's like no, oh. there's like no master esthetician or anything. It's just you have your esthetician and then, but you have to have a, a nurse in the office. See, but this is like the the one of the first most interesting things about I think our industry is that like so what that essentially means, right, is that if someone left DC with a master esthetician license and moved to your Wyoming. Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. Wyoming, right? They couldn't work right. or they couldn't do all of the things that they were earning them money in DC. Right. Right. Like they would be reduced basically back to like facials, waxing, you know what I mean? Things like that. Exactly. And yeah. And I, I think honestly, that's like the first major problem with our industry is that licenses don't carry across state lines. And if you move or if you have, you know, we have a huge military presence, you know, in DC because yep. there's, you know, yep. all around us. And so if someone comes here and then their husband or, you know, spouse, whoever gets stationed somewhere else, they might not be able to work when they go there because the regulations and laws in that other state are different from where they got their initial license at. 
exactly. And that was something that I was looking up earlier before I was talking to you to see what how many hours were required to be licensed in DC. And it, if I correct me if I'm wrong, it looked like it was 1500 hours. For a cause program, it's 1500 hours. Okay. Yes. And when I had to when I went through school, um, ours was 2000. And they the state just dropped it to 1800 not too long ago. So even okay. with, even though they dropped it, there's still some class time that has to be made up or whatever to get licensed in the state of Wyoming. Right. Someone would have to go back to school for that 300 hours if they just, I, I haven't looked at Wyoming to be perfectly honest, but if, if, you know, sometimes states will give like work credit, Sure. you know what I mean? Like if you've been working in the field, they'll give you credit for those years and, and it's fine. But like if one of my students got licensed in DC and two months later decided to move to Wyoming, I'm, I'm pretty sure Wyoming would make them go back to school for that 300 hours. Yep. I would think so too. And that was one of my decisions that I had to make when I decided to get or to go through school because it was either I had a school here in Sheridan, which was kind of a miracle actually at the time, or I could go to Montana. But the difference was if I went to Montana, I had to go through the process to take more hours, even in the state of Wyoming to get my license in Wyoming. Right. Because yeah. they're, I think they're 1500 also. But, you know, yep. I was already in Sheridan. There was a school here. Um, I had a job. I had a dog. And trying to find any place to live with a dog is a nightmare, at least in my area. I don't know what it is for you. And Same. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might as well just go through school, get my, get through boards, and then figure it out from there. But the nice thing when I had to have 2000 hours, though, is that I'm, pretty much I could go to any state with my license. Yes. That's probably the highest. So, yeah, yeah. And that was yeah. one of the biggest reasons why I chose to stay right here was just because it would be, I can't say the word that starts with an R. Redundant. Reciprocity. Reciprocity. Uh, Reci- yeah. That word. Reciprocity. <laughs> <laughs> That's harder than your last name. <laughs> well, good thing you got my last name out. Shoot. <laughs> I know. But the other really interesting question that popped into my mind, and I might be overthinking this because, you know, I never overthink anything, Mm. but (laughs) is now because DC is not a state, it's not a city, it's not a capital, how, who overlooks regulations and, or how do your like, you know, like every year I have state board that comes in and inspects and all that good stuff. Like, how does that work in D.C.? Yeah, uh, great question. It, honestly, we, it operates like as we're a state. Um, so we have um, we have our the uh, D.C. Board of Barber and Cosmetology um, that, you know, regulates our industry. And then most states have like a governing body for post-secondary education. So like anything after high school and ours is called the higher education licensure commission. So between the HELC and our board of barber and cosmetology, that what those two bodies govern salons, spas, and schools in our, in the city. Oh, wow. For us. Yeah. So that even, that sounds more almost difficult to line things um, up. Most states have like an education board. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. You know, I, you know what I mean? Most states have like some board or governing body that's like regulating 
what institutions post high school or post-secondary institutions are doing. And all of the, you know, like Georgetown University in DC has to be approved and licensed through that education board, just the same way I have to be approved for my cosmetology school through that education board. Yeah. So we, we don't operate too much differently than any state would. Okay. In the district. Yeah. I, I'm a member, I'm, I'm a board member for the Barber and Cosmetology Board. This is my first year on the board. I, I applied to the board like 15 times and oh, got dear. rejected. And uh, yeah, there was probably, yeah, I think it might've been 15 or 16 times Oh my goodness! and they rejected me. And then uh, in December of last year, they called me and said the slot opened up and they want me to fill it. So I was sworn in as a board member of the Barber and Cosmetology Board in DC oh uh, in January. Yeah. Do yeah, they know so. what they got themselves into? No, they all hate me. <laughs> but here's my thing. And, you know, so I, I mean, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but this <laughs> conversation was sort of spurred off of listening to your podcast uh, about reasonable expectations in uh, our industry, right? Yes. And I think schools get a bad rap a lot because I don't think a lot of time people understand exactly how we're forced to operate sure you know and the other thing is is that i agreed with a lot of what you all said in that podcast and i just you know in that episode and i thought i don't want to be the person that's sitting in the corner complaining i want to be the person that's jumping into things and trying to make things better right and so the way in my in my DC life and in being a part of the, uh, or a part of the hair community in DC is to get on the board and try and affect change from there. Um, knowing what I know, you know what I mean? From the outside. So yeah, I showed up to the board in January and <laughs> Ed, here, how long are, do you sit there? Is it a, a year or uh, two year? Two years. It's two a two year term. Okay. Two years. I'm probably one of the, like, maybe there's three of us that are under 50 years old. Oh. I I have great respect for the work that the people that are on the board that have been there for a long time for what they have done, because you know what I mean? Like, I, they've, done a, they've done a lot. But I just think at some point, like, someone has to come in to try and, like, move the needle forward yes. in our industry. And so that's where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you think your next stop's national? <laughs> well there is like a national state board there, there has uh, to be a test <laughs> yeah <laughs> the nic or whatever it is yeah yeah national inner council of state boards i think is what it's called oh, but you know so i i know like i, I don't want to turn this into like a big political thing but like i mean you know personally i'm as liberal as they come and that's great but democrats being in charge in the White House, so that they, they run the Department of Education and things, um, is not great for trade schools at all. At all. At all. Uh, they don't like us at all. And are actively doing everything in their power right now to shut as many of us down as they possibly can. So I must have missed and something somewhere on that. Like what, what's been going on? There's a bunch of new regulations that the Department of Just has just published um, that will go into effect uh, July 1st, 2024. The biggest, the most problematic one is this regulation called gainful employment. And if you go to my Instagram or my link tree, I have like a whole 
being written out about what gainful employment is about. But in a nutshell, what gainful employment is about is making me as a school owner responsible for the financial decisions that my students make when they leave school. That what? the amount of money they claim on their taxes, yeah, things like that. So what Game of Employment says, there's two parts. The first part of it is, is that, Christine, you come to my school and you graduate. Um, and when your loans kick into repayment, your monthly payment amount can't be any more than 8% of your income. All right? Which that seems great. That's fair. That's fine, right? We don't want to drown students in debt. I get all that. So you leave, your student loan repayment kicks in. That payment dollar amount can't be more than 8% of your monthly income. Cool. But the first challenge with that is, is like, is the stylist, you, Christine, if you are the stylist, are you claiming all of your tips to really show an accurate representation of what you're making? You know what I mean? Like right. of what your income is. Right. And the truth is, the answer is no. The answer is no. All Stylists are not claiming every penny they make behind the chair. They're not. And that's not my issue to fix as a school owner. That's the IRS's issue to fix. That's not mine. You know, whatever. The second part of gainful employment says that, okay, Christine and her class graduated from my school. One year later, we're going to look at what Christine and her classmates, that cohort is making. And we're going to compare them to students that only graduated high school and what they're, they're making as a salary. And if my students, two years after they graduate, their average income isn't higher than someone who just graduated high school is, we fail that metric of gainful employment. And if we fail those any one of those two metrics, the 8% or the comparison to the high school, if we fail any one of those for two years within a five-year span, we lose the ability to offer financial aid to our students. We cannot participate in the financial aid program, which would effectively shut our school down because my students can't afford to come if it wasn't for financial aid. Well, yeah, right. Right. And so and what the so what the Department of Education is trying to do is force students to attend two or four year colleges or universities because they think that is where the most value for their money is but they're not holding these two-year university or colleges to the same standards that they are trying to apply to trade schools, to my school. Yeah. And so like my brother's a teacher. He has a master's degree in education. He has over $100,000 in tuition debt from getting his master's degree. His first year out of teaching, he made less than $30,000 a year. He would, that, that income would have failed both of those metrics that they're imposing on my school as a trade school. But they don't care about that. They don't care about the debt that we're saddling our students with at a public college or university, you know? So yeah, no, gainful employment right now is like a huge thing. It's going into effect July 1st. Um, there's huge lawsuits coming from industry organizations, AACS, and other places that are trying to fight it. But in the next five years, if it doesn't get changed, like 80% of trade schools could be closed across the country. That is not okay. 
if it weren't for trade schools, I wouldn't have had a career. I mean, even before I was doing hair, I was a real estate agent. And that's that was a 10 day go to school, take a big old nasty exam. And then I was in in the field because I couldn't do college college and I did not mix. And so it was it was trade school for me. And that was it. I mean, I've always wanted to do cosmetology from day one. But that's a whole nother story in itself. Wow. I I do not like the sounds of that at all. It's hard because like, you know, again, not to be political, but like when Biden won the election, like my students were like celebrating, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they were so happy. And these things that like this administration is doing, even though personally, like I said, mm-hmm. those are things that I'm like super supportive of, but as a business owner and as a, someone that's owned a a for-profit school, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around like how this administration is doing things that are going to like take away opportunity from the community that my school serves because that's what's going to happen. It's it's really sad. Yeah. No, that is. I don't like that. Dang. Yeah. And, you know, you know, like even the messages that we shared, like there are bad schools everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there are bad schools and I get that. That doesn't mean all of us are bad. No. Because like what I go to work every day to try and do is make the lives of my students better every single day. You know, that they, when they leave, when they graduate, that they're, they're set up to live their best life mm-hmm. possible. Anyway, I could talk about that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how you teach. And so I can only imagine what your school is like and how encouraged the students are when they graduate and they leave and they step out into the world and either do their own thing or go and work as booth or commission or whatever. I would love to spend a day in your school and see what that looks like. <laughs> well, we have to bring you out so you can come and uh, you can come teach for us Ooh. at our school. That's what we should do. You know, I I think that like uh, cosmetology schools get a really bad rap, and and I think that the reason sometimes is because people don't really understand the 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 small box we're forced to operate in, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things like I reached out after like I listened to that episode about like expectations, just because like. Like our school is a fifteen hundred dollar school, all right. Like our our program is cosmetology is a fifteen hundred hour program, and so what happens is is our state says they basically break down every hour of that fifteen hundred hours, and every state operates this way of what I'm allowed to teach. Okay, so let's say that um, you know people complain all the time that like. Students don't know how to balayage or all these things, you know, right? Coloring, right? They, they don't know. But if my state says that I can only teach 200 hours of hair color, right? Mm-hmm. That's all I'm allowed to teach in that, in that subject. If in a lot of states, and like DC isn't one of them, where like business building, which was a topic that you all were chatting about in that last episode, right? Right. If, if our state doesn't specifically say that I can teach business building to my students, I'm not, I, I can't, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. when we're accredited and they come in to like evaluate us, 
Like they look at what the state says we have to teach and then look at our curriculum and they have to match to the hour. You know, and most states have these ridiculous 300 hours in roller sets and 200 hours in finger waves mm-hmm. and all of these things that are honestly a little obsolete, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It boils down to like, I don't want to spend my days teaching finger waves for 300 hours, right? Like right. that's not like, you know what I mean? I, I don't, not that it's not an important skill. Can you be a successful hairstylist without doing a finger wave? Like I Absolutely. sure have. You know what I mean? Like I haven't done one since I graduated, right? You know, we get sort of piled on about, well, they should teach more of this in school. They should teach them this and them that. If your state board doesn't say we can teach it, we're not allowed. We can't. We can't because every hour is accounted for in that 1500 hour program. You know, if I have 100 hours of hair color to teach, where do we spend our time? Is it foiling and like zone one retouches or is it balayage? You know what I mean? It's challenging from a school perspective of trying to meet the state board expectation, but then also try and prepare our students what a real world in salon job is going to look like. Sure, absolutely. And I think now that I can see that point of view, that's great. Looking back to when I went to school, the other thing that our school really lacked was being able to get people to come in so that those of us that were on the floor could have appointments that day. Otherwise, it was just all mannequin work for you. Right. Yep. If you wanted to do anything, you had to go out and seek it and find those people and say, hey, come in, make an appointment. You don't just sit there and do nothing. I mean, I don't want to work on a mannequin head all day, so I'm going to go find real people right. to do this. And I think that comes down to if you feel like you're not getting the education that you think you should be getting, then you have to go find it. And I had to because at that point, A-lines were huge. I mean, those were coming back in, but they weren't teaching it to us in school. And all of us were like, well, what's going on? How come we're not being shown how to do an A-line? So I spent time during school on my days off with a friend of mine who was a salon owner. And she worked with me on a mannequin for about three weeks in a row, you know, for a couple hours on a Sunday, showing me how to do an A-line until I felt comfortable, you know, or... I had to go watch videos or I had to, you know, you have to seek that out. And I think that's what makes a good stylist is, okay, this is what the school can teach you or this is what they have taught you. But we know what trends are now. Go to the hair shows, go to the different educational classes that are available to you through Mm -hmm. like salon centric or wherever. Anywhere. Right. Exactly. And the more you do, the better. Yep. I, and this, again, this might be like a very undemocratic thing for me to say, because I think we are keeping students in school for way too long. Yeah, We all know most times when students graduate, they are going to go into a salon or, or a spa that hopefully that, that it's anything like worth being in, that there's going to be like an apprentice program after they leave school, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And... And honestly, that's where a lot of the heavy lifting comes in of getting them sort of up to speed on current trends and, you know, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, yeah, like I think people say like, well, you know, school is just about passing your state board. And it is because we're forced, we're forced into that box of I have to spend 300 hours teaching someone finger waves because that's what's on the state board test. Right. But so for me, it's 
like even 1500 hours, it's way too much. Let's get them in and out in, in 900 or a thousand hours and then let them get to a salon that's going to further and further. get them. You know what I'm saying? They don't yeah. need to be in school that long, you know, because it, it honestly is a waste of their time. We tried to start like in a, like a, a mentorship program where they were at school in our school for a half and then in a salon for half. And so they were sort of doing both for their 1500 hours and, and we got shut down because the old school thinking is, no, they should be in your building to school for 1500 hours and then they can go somewhere else in a salon. But it's too much. It's way too much. They should, you know, students should be allowed, get them in, pass their license and then put them in a salon where they can apprentice and get some more education and get the stuff, you know what I mean, that are sure. going to help them buy the chair. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Didn't even know what an apprentice was or some of the, the great stuff that I did learn while going through the artist training this summer. In Wyoming, you graduate, you take your boards, and then you're on your own. There's no apprentice. There's no um, what sure. associate. I wish something like that was available in, share, or in Wyoming because I see so many people pass state boards, get into a salon, and then it's too much or they don't know enough or they get frustrated because they think they're, you know, should have full books and they don't. And so they, they quit yeah. and they give yeah. it up. And there's a lot of girls that I went to school with that were super talented and all of them are not in the salon at all anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of sad. Yeah. It's very sad because there was, no, there's nothing to like sort of guide them after right. they, after they leave, you know? Yeah. Right. But well, you can start that now. Right. <laughs> I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> you know, I think that when I went to school, and it sounds like sort of what you said, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I'm 45. 42. So, okay. So we're the same age. I went to school <laughs> when I was 21 years old. And you're like, I'm not 45. Um, <laughs> but I went to school when I was like 22 years old. So I was a little bit, I wasn't old, but you know what I mean? I was a little bit older. And you're right. Like every day, if I had the choice of like working on a mannequin or like going to find someone to do their hair, like I was on the street begging yep. people to come in to the school. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. To let me do their hair because I didn't want to work on a mannequin. Like that was torture. Right. It was. And what I will say about that is that like, and you know, we charge minimal prices, right? Like a haircut was $10, a color mm -hmm. was 30 bucks, right? Whatever that. Yep. But never once in that, like, you know, six months of that year that I was in school, did I ever think all of this work that I'm doing is just making the school money. You know what I mean? Mm, like, right. that, that like these services are just going to the school. Like I'm doing this color, someone's paying $30 and the school's putting that in their pocket. Like I, that never once crossed my mind. Because what I thought just was happy was just to get experience, you know, and right, like, right, like do the trade. But what I'll tell you is like the challenging part about today and 20, almost 2024 is that, you know, we, uh, in my school, at least, and I think in all of our franchise and the some professional academies, like we try to focus on business as much as we can. But when I talk to a student about retail and the, the, the how and the why and, you know, things like that, mm -hmm. the only thing they're thinking is that, 
well, he wants me to sell retail so he can make more money. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. He wants me to bring my mom in here so he can make more money. My best friend so he can make more money. You know what I mean? Right. It's not, it, to the students of today, it's not about the experience or the practice. It's Patrick wants me to sell magnetic shampoo so he can line his pockets with that $10. You know what I mean? I was going to say, I wished retail really had a nice return on it, but it does not. <laughs> I'm like, if any of you are think that, I'm, first of all, if any of you think that I'm rich, you've lost your mind. But if any of you think I'm like, you know, rolling in it because you've sold a bottle of like shampoo, like, you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're insane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but that's their mentality. And so like, we have to go into like overdrive as a school to drive the traffic in to get our students the clientele to get them the experience because right. they're not they're not bringing their friends in they're not bringing their mom in they're doing those at home and charging them cash to put in their pocket on the side you know hmm. but they see no value today's students in bringing in someone to get a service done at the school they see no value in it at all it's weird well and there's no value in that and if they do go through graduate and get licensed and end up in a salon and i'm speaking of you know like my salon or you know some others that i know around here it's even the fact trying to get them to go to work they might work a couple days a week for just the two appointments that they have and then they leave but when they show up they're in PJs and slippers. I don't understand why that's like the new norm or why that's okay and how that's going to work for them. And I, I don't know. I think COVID was this like huge turning point in the world. And we are unapologetically strict on our students showing up looking like they are part of the beauty industry. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, because if I walk into an establishment and you're my service provider, like I want you to look like you understand, you know, yeah, right. You yeah. care that you're a part mm -hmm. of this industry, all those things. You're right. And it's a really, I mean, like we get into some really tough situations, you know, students show up, like you just said, and I'm like, no, you got to go home. Right. And it's this whole big thing. It's not acceptable. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's not acceptable in this industry and especially I think that at a time when like our industry really is, I don't know if you, you think there's like a shift happening in our industry right now. And like, I think there that it's, it happened like sort of when I was starting, you know, where we're trying to like get more respect. We're trying to almost demand as an industry, the respect of our client. I can't be in my pajamas expecting someone to respect me in the job that I do and the work that I do, you know what exactly. I mean? Right. I don't know if you're a part of any of the, like, I'm sure you are. There's no sense of professionalism on your part. And you're like upset because the client treated you the way you honestly presented yourself. Exactly. That makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I absolutely. I remember, I think it was our last weekend uh, at the exchange this summer. And after we did our 30 minute presentation to everybody I think it may have been you it was either you or Randy or Mandy I don't know things are kind of a blur that week but mm -hmm. where it was said that now whenever you go out and whether it's the bus driver or it's your waitress or whoever it is in service you're you're going to find yourself watching them and how they present themselves and how they get response from people and and that's 
never been more true. I understand it now because we'll go out to dinner and I'll say something to Dave and I'm like, oh man, I'm watching, I'm watching them, how they perform. Last, this last weekend, we went to one of our brew and pizza joints for dinner and besides her haircut that needed to be fixed too, that was another thing. Um, anyways, she was working by herself and it was a busy night. And I did say, I was like, man, this girl, er you know, has earned her tip and then some because she was working her hide off it. But yet she was smiling and she had orders correct. She had drinks Johnny on the spot. It was amazing. I and we've been there a few times and we've never had service like that before. But this this chick, man, she had it all under control and was doing a fantastic job of doing that. But that's the thing, right? I don't, you know, my mom always used to tell me, like us when we were growing up, my mom didn't care what we did. She didn't care what our job was. She didn't care what our career was. As long as you showed up to be the best you can be in whatever it was you chose as your work, right? Whatever, mm -hmm. you know, your career. And I think that's the thing. Is so many times in our industry, people are complaining about the things that they're not getting or they're not doing or they're not, they're, whatever it is, right? I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't have, but if you just take a step back and like look at like the way you're presenting yourself what pride do you have in your job mm -hmm. and in your career and whether it is you're in a huge city or in your small town you're still doing the same thing you're still a part of this industry that has every opportunity in front of us if we just show up work for uh, yeah it's true so many times and like and i love my students and i i was i'm not like trying to be like oh these these kids in school today you know they don't understand what it means to be a waitress like you just described working your tail off to earn the money that you're making that night yep. they don't get that and a lot of times my students are like oh i've done a haircut i need to relax i need to sit down for an hour i'm like <laughs> i'm like one haircut what? but like who do you think <laughs> like what what kind of money are you gonna make you know what i mean no like, kidding <laughs> because no kidding but that's like they've been they've been coddled and taught that their whole lives is that just uh yeah oh yes it's okay take a break calm down sit down you know and i'm like no get to work what is wrong with you <laughs> Get on your feet. Right. I know if they would not hack it in a corporate chain salon like I used to work in, you know, when you're pushing out 20 haircuts a day or there's no sitting, there's no time. If you're not cleaning or doing a haircut or there's well, something wrong. Well, first of all, I will say the cleaning is not a word that they even know what me. They're like, I'm not a cleaner. I'm not here to clean. I'm not here to sweep. I'm not here to do laundry. That is not my job at all so who does it our staff does our staff does it like we have a full-time cleaning person on staff um and then like our staff does the laundry there I, I don't know if you ever i mean but there was some lawsuits that were circulating maybe five or six years ago of these sort of predatory lawyers that were going after trade school graduates and they would come to you and say like christine like hey you just graduated the slum professional academy uh, did they ever make you clean? Did they ever make you do laundry? Did they ever make you whatever? And, oh, yeah, of course we had to clean. Oh, well, do you know, like, that's not allowed. You're not an employee. Like, they can't make students clean. And they would sue the school for basically back wages because the school treated the student like an employee by making them clean or do laundry or sweep hair or whatever it was. And uh, most of the times those cases, they won. And oh, the school, my goodness. And the school had to pay. So most schools nowadays, you come into my school, 
we expect you to sweep up like if you do a haircut, like sweep up the hair around the station. Yeah. They don't do laundry. They don't clean color bowls. They don't none of that stuff at all. Wow. Yeah. I, wow. I can't even imagine that world. Because I don't want to get sued. You know what I mean? Well, all, yeah. Right. All it would take is one lawyer to get a hold of one of my students and then the rest of them, you know, join in because, well, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, and it's very obvious that even though you have all these hoops and everything that you have to jump through and protect yourself from, you're still doing it because that's the passion that you have for this industry and building that in people. This industry changed my life. It really did. I was a bartender at Outback Steakhouse in Centerville, Virginia. That's all I had going for me. Like, I, you know what I mean? I, I didn't go to college. I tried, but I dropped out because I hated it. But you know, I didn't have anything, you know what I mean? Like, and, mm-hmm. and honestly, my choices were like become a manager at Outback Steakhouse. Or I decided to go to cosmetology school and like this, this industry changed my life. And, and then on top of that, specifically Redkin education then yep. really changed my life. And mm-hmm. I just feel really strongly that everything I have is a result of my decision to become a hairstylist and then take Redkin classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel this like deep sense of responsibility to like pay that back to people to help them get all the wonderful things, you you know, and it's not like dollars or money. It's just the life that I've been able to lead because I chose to do, to do this. So, um, yeah. And it's frustrating. I get upset. And I think a lot of times, like my staff's like, you got to calm down (laughs) because (laughs) I don't, I don't enjoy students that like, don't take it seriously and that aren't invested Mm -hmm. and, I just sort of view it as like a waste of everyone's time. Mm-hmm. Why am I here arguing yep. with you about showing up to school? Like, I didn't ask you to come to this school. I didn't ask you to become a hairstylist. You said you wanted to do this, right? I don't have little patience for that. And it's it's not great, but I have little patience for it because I just feel like a waste of time. I want everyone to be able to live as great of life as they can imagine be- through this industry because I know that... Mm-hmm. When you went to cosmetology school, did you think you were going to become a Redken artist and like have the opportunity to go out and teach and do... Not in a million years. Right. But like that's, there's so many doors and so many uh, different avenues that can unfold and open for us in this industry if you just are dedicated and are are, are open to those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's why I have a hair school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We will party in Nashville together if I don't see you before that. But if not, I will see you in June in Nashville. It's a date. All right, good. For all of us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Patrick. And we will talk soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. It was good talking to you both. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a powerful conversation that we had with Patrick this morning. And I hope that you consider what is a trade school and how trade schools are very important. I mean, it's not just in cosmetology world um, that you can go to trade school. There's so many different trade schools out there that you can attend. And that's really what they need is just participation. If you're not a college type like me or Patrick, trade schools are amazing. And you can focus on your talents and what you really want to be doing. Get in, get out and get going. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area and cosmetology is something that you take interest in, check out Patrick's school. And I will have all of his information on my website, which you can find at 
theheraffairwithchristine.com. There will be links to his social media and also to his school. Now in local quick news update, Halloween is on Tuesday and I want to make sure that you are aware that at the VFW on Wednesday, they are going to have a Halloween bingo. Doors open at 11 and bingo starts at noon. They will be serving lunch and they have an adult costume contest. You can find their location across from the Market Hall on Broadway and I hope to see you guys there. Be sure to like, follow, friend, whatever that looks like, the show. And also, if you enjoyed what we were talking about today, please share it with your friends. And as always, I look forward to hearing back from you. So send me an email or drop me a message. And again, thank you for joining me on Stylist Sunday. I hope that you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk on Wednesday. See ya.